We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to Cash Considerations, a Chicago Bull podcast on the Blue Wire Network. I'm Ricky O'Donnell. I'm with Jason Pat. As always, the NBA Finals going down right now. The Raptors with a 2-1 lead over the Golden State Warriors in the best of seven series. We got some moves ahead of the draft. The draft is June 20th on Thursday. Uh, there was a big trade that just went down right before we started recording this podcast between the Hawks and the Nets. I really like that move for both teams. Uh, Brooklyn creating two max salary slots. The Hawks getting the 17th pick this year, getting a lottery-protected pick next year. I think those are two smart franchises who are doing some interesting things. And then we have the Chicago Bulls, who really have not done much at this point in the NBA offseason other than punt on their own salary cap space because the Bulls already decided that they're not going to do much in free agency this year. The Bulls do have the seventh pick in the draft. It's been mostly quiet uh in terms of rumors up to this point but jason you you have heard a few things uh well first of all they did just the bulls did just hire a new assistant coach uh they after they they whiffed or they hired they hired chris fleming away from the nets we mentioned the nets and then they were going after the texas tech defensive coordinator did not get him but they did just hire roy rogers who was let go when the rockets did their Mike D'Antoni coaching staff bloodletting, which was kind of crazy. Like that whole Rockets thing is wild down there. Uh, yeah, Roy Rogers going to be uh, part of the def- – he was part of the de- helping the defense. Uh, our guy Will Gottlieb uh, a couple days ago when they made the hire official – or I don't even think they've made it official yet, but it was reported. Uh, he tweeted that he said he was told that Bulls new assistant coach Roy Rogers was a part of building the Rockets defense, had a big influence on Clint Capella's development. He works hard and the players love him. That I mean, that seems like a great sign. You know, the Rockets took some strides on defense. Clint Capella's gotten a lot better. I know he had a really rough playoffs, but uh, that'll happen against the Warriors. So I mean, whatever, the, he's made a lot of improvements. And he, and Will mentioned how the players love him. Uh, I know Patrick Beverly used to play for the Rockets, and Patrick Beverly, possible Bulls free agent target, target this summer, tweeted. He gave basically a shout-out to Roy Rogers. And then some fan uh, tweeted back at Beverly, like, oh, man, like, said, he made some snarky comment about like joining the Bulls on the minimum. And uh, and then Beverly kind of shot back at him, like, oh, yeah, the minimum, all right? Like, yeah, right. And, I mean, obviously Patrick Beverly is not going to be signing for the minimum. Uh, but I, I believe he is someone the Bulls will probably go after. We have talked about going after Patrick Beverly, the Chicago guy. 
Uh, so he's, I think just in general, I don't know if we need to look too much into that, him making that comment. He is a Chicago guy, his former coach, obviously a fan of his. Uh, so it seems like a pretty good hire. Like I, I don't, I can't really go in depth on Roy, Roy Rogers, like, uh, schemes and all that stuff. Like, do you have any other takes on Roy Rogers, new Bulls assistant and Jim Boylan's staff? No, but I am glad that they're starting fresh. They're starting with guys that doesn't seem like they have like nepotism connections to. I think Fleming seems pretty interesting as an offensive guy. Uh, Roy Rogers, former player. The Bulls actually traded Scotty Pippen right. for him when they moved Scotty Pippen to the Rockets uh, following the lockout after the 98 championship. So I think it's, it's interesting in general, but... Uh, you know, I think the Bulls are are mostly just waiting for the seventh pick right now. Right, yeah. Uh, before we get into the draft talk, I know we're going to do so, uh, plenty of draft talk here. Ricky's going to uh, do, do a little Bulls big board. Before that, there was one other rumor. Uh, we talked about the offseason making moves. The Bulls will have some cap space, looking about like $20 million this year. Uh, Shams, Shams of uh, Shams Trania of the Athletic and Stadium wrote a big column at the Athletic with a bunch of, bunch of offseason rumors. Stuff about Anthony Davis, stuff about a bunch of other stuff. There was a Bulls mention in there. Uh, Marcus Morris expected to have, or the Bulls are expected to have interest. I don't know how legit that is. If that's, I think Mar- Morris might be a Rich Paul guy. I'm not even totally, I can't remember. I'd, I'd look that up. But I don't know if that's something with an agent just drumming up interest. There were a bunch of other teams mentioned in that rumor as well. But Marcus Morris, do you have any thoughts? I wrote a quick thing at Bloggable about him. Like He had a pretty nice season, stretch four type probably play the four or the five he shot a lot of threes he uh our, our our pal your friendly bulls blogger in the comments of the thing i quick thing i wrote a blog will kind of mention like it almost be like a bobby portis replacement uh i don't know how, how you feel about marcus morris at all but any quick thoughts about that how do you think he would fit into the locker room because he had plenty of issues in boston right didn't he I don't know how many. I mean, Boston was kind of just a mess in general between whatever Kyrie was doing and just like all the egos there. Like, I does seem like I know he had issues. I think uh, there was that whole thing a few years ago, and I think him and his brother were like charged with assault. I can't remember exactly what happened with that, but I know there were, there have been some issues with the attitude there. Like, I know that they might look at it where he's he'll bring toughness, he'll bring an edge to the team that they need. I feel like that be might that might be a situation where like it could work out really well. That toughness, they do need some toughness. Maybe that would work out. But then there's another scenario where he maybe he won't be happy with playing time if he's coming off the bench. Uh, if the Bulls aren't playing well, uh, yeah, I don't know. I think I think the idea of his like type it would be good as like the backup power forward. Just like again, stretch four, kind of kind of like a Bobby Portis, kind of a gunner, probably a little better defensively than Portis. Uh, it's, I do, I do, would wonder about how he would fit in the locker room. And I, I mean, I feel like a guy like him, probably a contender will look to bring him on. Like, I don't know why he'd really sign for the Bulls unless the Bulls like toss the bag at him. And I really wouldn't want the Bulls to toss the bag at him. Like, I feel like he could be like an MLE type for, for a contender. Uh, I like, I'd be like, he made, I think something like five or 6 million this year. Like I'd be willing to go up. I don't know. Give him a little more than that. But like for what it would take to bring him to the Bulls, like, I feel like it probably won't happen, but I mean, it was it was still kind of an interesting rumor to see uh, see out there who the Bulls might be interested in. Like I said, I think the fit would make kind of sense, at least just on the court. Uh, but like you mentioned, that other stuff, I'm not totally sure. Was he playing the three or the four for Boston mostly this year? I guess he's he's, he's a guy who can swing between either position. Uh, I mean, I, I think he was even playing. Let's, but I know basketball reference, and it's not perfect, but. 
Uh, I think he was even playing some backup five. I don't know. I, I, I don't know. The, like I said, the Celtics are so messed up. Let's see what basketball reference has for like his play. Uh, just like the play, whatever the, the position. I know they, they define the position or like the, uh, by time. Let's see. Play by play. Uh, so according to this, he was 97% at power forward this year with the Celtics. Uh, in his past, when he was like with Detroit, he played a lot of small forward, but mostly with Boston, it was power forward, a little bit uh, small forward, 2017, 2018, and then like a few random minutes at center. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I would probably pass on Marcus Morris. I don't think we need any Marcus Morris on this Bulls team. Uh, to me, he would fit better for a team that was closer to contending a little bit. I still think the Bulls, mostly every move they make should be about accentuating the young core, which is Wendell Carter Jr., Lowry Markin, and Zach Levine, and whoever they had with this seventh pick. Uh, I'm not really sure if adding Marcus Morris helps the development of Markinen or helps the development of Carter or Levine. So for that reason, I would likely pass on him. I think that's totally fair. Like I said, I think it would make... With what they're looking for in terms of like veteran off the bench, I think it would make some sense. But like, I certainly am not married to the idea of Marcus Morris. Don't wouldn't certainly want to wouldn't want to overpay him anything like that. So, to, makes makes plenty of sense. Uh, that's basically it for like Bulls rumors for right now. And like so, like I mentioned before, let's go talk about the draft. The draft is two weeks from today. Uh, Ricky, you said you got a little Bulls big board for us. Let's 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 hit it up. Yeah, I got a Bulls big board. We're going to talk about, uh, I got five guys who I think the Bulls should consider with the seventh pick. We're going to count them down from five to one. We're going to talk about each player. Uh, Jason, you can stop me, ask some questions if at any point you want to. Don't let me ramble too long. But I got five guys who I think the Bulls uh, would be wise to draft with that seventh pick. Maybe they could also trade down to get some of these guys. I think that that is another option that should be on the table for the Bulls. There's a few guys Uh, We're ruling out here, obviously, the top guy, Zion Williamson. We know he's going number one to the Pelicans. We know John Morant is going to go number two to the Memphis Grizzlies. At three, we would expect R.J. Barrett to go to the New York Knicks. So there hasn't been any concrete news on that. And then we have fourth pick, the Lakers, fifth pick, the Cavs, sixth pick, the Suns. So uh, I'm not taking any of the guys that those dudes, that those teams might draft off the board because we're not really sure uh, who they're going to go. I think that, you know, where they're going to go. I think Darius Garland is likely to be off the board by the time the Bulls pick. I don't have him on my top five list anyway, because I'm not a huge Darius Garland fan. I might end up looking foolish for that uh, a few years from now, but these are the five guys I think the Bulls should consider. So number five, Grant Williams, junior power forward from Tennessee, back to back SEC player of the year. He won it as a sophomore a year ago came back this season and improved his numbers across the board. Grant Williams, uh, about 6'7", 240-pound power forward. The selling point for Grant Williams is that while he's not a great positional fit on the Bulls, who already have two front court guys entrenched in Carter and Markkinen, I think there's an argument that he could be the best basketball player remaining at number seven. His output over the last two years was really remarkable and Following his SEC Player of the Year winning sophomore season, he raised his numbers all across the board. This year, tremendous 
64.7% true shooting percentage. I want to say average is about 55% on a true shooting percentage. Uh, So he was a really efficient scorer. Not a great three-point shooter, though he did improve this past season. Shot 14 of 44, which is good for 32% from three. I think the three-point shooting is the swing skill for him. That's going to be the case for a lot of guys in this draft. What he has going for him right now is that he's strong as hell. Grant Williams will just beat you up. Uh, He's also really smart, and he's a good passer. So you have a guy who's going to have NBA-ready strength and physicality right away, someone who can shine on the glass, someone who can pass the ball really well, especially out of like short-roll scenarios in the pick-and-roll, someone who can protect the rim a little bit, who can draw fouls, which he did at an elite rate at Tennessee. Grant Williams finished number 22 in the country in fouls drawn per 40. Uh, I just think that he's he would be not a perfect fit for the Bulls because they already have Carter and Markinen and Trench, but uh, in a lot of ways, I think that you could go with a three-big-man rotation with Grant Williams there, and it would benefit him. So one of the things with this draft class is, one of the main storylines is that it's bad because a lot of the top incoming recruits disappointed. You could look at Romeo Langford. You could look at Nazir Little. You could look at Cam Reddish. None of those guys are on my board uh, in this top five. Conversely, the guys who kind of improve their stock over the course of the college season are all big men. Brandon Clark, Grant Williams, PJ Washington. Uh, so I think that those guys, it's just like unfortunate for the Bulls yeah. kind of. They put themselves in the position by taking Carter and Markkinen uh, during a time when, let's be honest, Jason, I think most NBA teams nowadays would play Markkinen at the five. The Bulls are hoping he's going to be able to stick at the four long term because they drafted another center in Carter with the seventh pick. I love Carter. I think Carter's their best guy. I think Markkinen's really interesting, too, and has an all-star type of ceiling. Uh, ideally, you want to take a wing or a guard with this pick if you're the Bulls. Ideally, you want a point guard because, as the Bulls will tell you, they have their two through five of the future set. Well, what the Bulls really just need are good, smart basketball players who play both ends of the court. That's why Grant Williams is my number five guy, junior power forward, really just strong, smart, good passer, efficient scorer. That's the selling point on Grant Williams. I think he would back up uh, Markkinen initially. I think that you know, you'd have a three big man rotation with those three guys. You'd play Markin at the five and Williams at the four for some stretches. Most of your front court, court minutes uh, would be allocated between those three guys. I think all of them could be potentially. Uh, and, and I really like Grant Williams from Tennessee. He's someone who's sort of become the hipster's choice in this NBA draft. Uh, his stock amongst guys with Twitter accounts is a lot m- bigger than it is amongst NBA scouts, apparently. We'll Let me stop you for a second there, uh, because I was going to ask about that. I'm looking at the ESPN, the most recent ESPN mock draft. They have Grant Williams going 32nd. They have him going in the second round. Where Where is the disconnect here, do you think, between like what you're thinking and why he, the ESPN has it, like the Draft Express guys have him at 32? Sure, because he's a 6'7 power forward who doesn't have great shooting range. I think he makes up for those flaws by just being a really smart, tough, strong basketball player who plays both ends of the court. Great passer, great defensive player. He was an 81% free throw shooter, which tells you that perhaps he can improve that three-point stroke. Uh, I think, you know, being able to draw that many fouls and sink that many free throws, he's just going to continue to develop his perimeter game as he goes along. He's also pretty young for his class. He was born in November of 1998. So uh, I think that he's someone who potentially could come in right away and be a productive rotation guy. 
Uh, I think, you know, NBA scouts are mostly looking at what he can't do, which is that he hasn't proven himself as a shooter and that he's undersized. Uh, you know, in a lot of ways, you would think of Grant Williams as a throwback power forward, but I think he makes up for it with his smarts, his passing ability, his strength. Uh, and I think that he does have high shooting potential because he was an efficient scorer all over the court and he was a really good free throw shooter, which tends to predict future three point shooting pretty accurately. Interesting. Yeah. I'm just curious because I know I've heard, I feel like heard good things. I've read, you mentioned like the hipster thing, like I've seen like that kind of stuff on uh, Twitter and people hyping him up. So I was just curious, like looking at the ESPN, just where the whole difference was there. So that's interesting. Should we move ahead to number four? Yeah. So number four for me, a guy I published a story on this week at SPNation.com, it's Bull Bull. Now, Bull Bull to me has some of the most variance in his stock. Uh, if you look at where the athletic has them, their big board, their draft coverage done by Sam Vicini, who just does a tremendous job covering the draft for the athletic. He is Bull Bull 32. Uh, ESPN has Bull Bull 15. Jeremy Wu, a Chicago guy who does draft coverage for Sports Illustrated. He has Bull Bull at, I want to say, like 22 in his big board. Uh, I haven't really done a big board at SB Nation. I would have Bull Bull in the top 10, and I might have him in the top five. Uh, I really like Bull Bull quite a bit for a few different reasons. Bull Bull size, seven foot two, wingspan seven foot seven. Only played nine games this year for Oregon because he broke a bone in his foot. Uh, before that, he entered the program as a top five overall recruit in this recruiting class. What's special about Bull Bull? No one with his size in his length has ever had his shooting ability. He has a nine seven point five standing reach so that means he can almost you know touch the rim without jumping uh he has a seven seven wingspan even if you bump that down to seven foot six wingspan these are the other guys who recently tested at the combine who have a seven six wingspan we're talking about uh andre drummond we're talking about someone like brendan haywood who played a long time ago we're talking about mo bamba who to me is uh the most obvious comparison for bull rudy gobert is on that list Ike Anabugo, uh, who played at UCLA a year ago. I'm sure I'm butchering that last name. He played at UCLA, was drafted. Oh, yeah. By I know who you're talking about. Uh, what do all those guys have in common? Gobert, Bamba, uh, Andre Drummond is another one. They're all non-shooters. Bull Bull's an elite shooter. He shot 52% from three-point range. He only took 2.8 attempts per game. But he was also a tremendous shooter on the EYBL, Nike's AAU circuit. He was one of the league leaders in three-point shooting a year earlier on the AAU circuit, uh, shooting, I believe, 44% from three-point range. I don't have the exact number in front of me. Yeah, it was it was 44% on the EYBL, 52% at Oregon. He made 82% of his, th- of his free throws on the EYBL, and at Oregon he made 76 uh, so Bull Bull is just an absolutely elite shooter. The Stepian, which is an independent draft website that does tremendous coverage, check out their work. They track attempts from three-point range or from NBA three-point range. He was 13 of 19, Bull Bull was, on those attempts. So obviously Bull Bull is a center. Bull Bull has a history of foot problems uh, just you know this year at Oregon. I guess he didn't have one previously before that, I don't believe. Uh He also is really skinny. He weighed in at 208 pounds, so he's very thin. He has skinny legs and high hips. He already has a bad foot. Durability is the biggest issue to me with Bull Bull. The next biggest issue is just strength. Does he even have the frame to add strength? 
Uh, obviously, there's no seven foot two guy who's 208 pounds. It's totally ridiculous. I'm sure we have listeners who are like six foot and 210 pounds. So it just shows you just how light and how thinly built Bulbul is. That is certainly a worry. You will also hear people talk about his character. A lot of the mainstream college basketball reporters haven't been high on him uh, because they think he has character concerns. And there might be some validity to that. I'm not going to project that. All I know is that there has never been someone as long as Bull Bull who has his shooting ability. I honestly think he has special shooting ability. He has kind of a low and slow release, but he's still going to be able to shoot over the top of any switch defender, and no one's going to be able to give him an inch of room because when he's open, he was in the 99th percentile in the country on catch-and-shoot opportunities this year. I think he's going to have immense gravity, Jason, as someone who you know you can never cheat off of him, whether he's just standing above the arc, whether he's standing in the corner, uh, I think, you know, you got to stick to Bull Bull. And if you give him breathing room, if you dare him to hit a jump shot, he's going to hit it. So I think the team that gets Bull Bull and encourages him to let it fly, to boost that three-point volume as high as it could possibly go, is going to be a major winner of this draft defensively. The question is, can he be a switch big? We know he has those high hips. He doesn't have great lateral quickness. Uh, you know, could he – in today's NBA, you're basically asking your centers – to switch a screen and stick with a point guard for a few seconds. I don't know if Bull Bull could do that. But my argument for him is that the league Bull Bull is drafted into today, when he's 19 years old in 2019, is probably not going to look like the league he's playing in when he's 24, when he's 27, if he can stick around the league that long. Uh, We've already seen NBA teams experiment quite a bit with zone defense. The Raptors, for one, famously played a box and one for a stretch in the NBA Finals. The Raptors played zone quite a bit against the Bucks in the Eastern Conference Finals. A lot of teams played zone this year in the NBA. It was uh, one of the most under-the-radar emerging trends in the league was zone defense. I think Bull Bull could be a stud in zone defense. He has unbelievable length. His block rate was tremendous, over 12% this year, which would have been in the top 10 of the country if he would have stayed healthy and played the full amount of games. Uh, so to me, Bull Bull, while not like he's going to be an offense first prospect because he has special shooting ability, he has a developing handle where I actually think he's going to be able to beat a closeout when defenses do run at him, put the ball on the floor, hit you with a floater, uh, hit you with a pull up. When you switch on him, he's going to be able to finish over smaller defenders in the post, even if he can't finish over like Marcus Gasol or Joel Embiid in the post. Uh, so I love Bull Bull. Again, not a perfect fit because the Bulls, have the seventh pick. They already have Markinen and Carter. Bull Bull, obvious red flags, I think, with the injury history, with the lack of strength. This guy is an unbelievable shooter, though. I think you compare him to Bamba. So now Bamba was ranked third on ESPN's big board, the Athletic Adam fifth, SI Adam fifth. Bull's rankings on these sites, 15, 32, and 21. Bull is better almost across the board. Bull Bull shot 52% on threes. Bamba shot 27 Bull Bull had a true shooting percentage of 63. Bamba was 59. Bull Bull's block rate was 12.4. Bamba's was 13.2, so not that big of a difference. Bull Bull's assist rate, 9.7. Bamba, 3.6. So he's three times better as a passer. They have the same standing reach. To me, Bamba was drafted number six overall last year on the prayer, on the miracle chance that one day he could be a shooter like Bull Bull. I mean, he'll never be half as good as Bull Bull as far as I'm concerned. But Bamba went high in part because he's really polished. Uh, He probably sold himself well in interviews. If you talk to him, Bamba's a great interview, really interesting guy. Uh, I think he could be a politician one day, really, because he's, he's a really articulate speaker, seems like a smart dude. 
and he's a better, like, he moves better than Bull does, doesn't have the same injury history. To me, Bull's a better prospect than Bamba, though, because he's way, way, way better as a shooter. I think he can put the ball on the floor better. I think he can pass better. I think his length is the exact same. His block rate was very similar. He might not move as well, but his length is still going to be a total game changer with a nine seven and a half standing reach. I love Bull Bull. Honestly, I think he's a top five prospect in this whole draft in a vacuum. The durability questions kind of push him down a bit. Obviously, the Bulls, uh, you know, they, they don't want to draft a third center because Marketing and Carter are centers to most teams. But I really like Bull Bull. He's number four on my Chicago Bulls big board. Nice. I know next to nothing about him. I will take all your word for it there. So before we get into your top three, let's, uh, let's hear a word from our sponsors. When you're selling online, getting your orders out can be a real pain. That's why you need ShipStation.com. It's the fastest, easiest, and most affordable way to manage and ship your orders. No matter where you're selling, Amazon, Etsy, or your own website, ShipStation brings all your orders into one simple interface. ShipStation helps you get orders out quickly, save money on shipping costs, and keep your customers happy. Right now, Cash Considerations listeners can try ShipStation free for 60 days when you use the promo code BLUE. That's blue is in blue wire. There's absolutely no risk. You can start your free trial without entering your credit card info. ShipStation works with all major carriers, including USPS, FedEx, UPS, even Amazon Fulfillment, so you can compare and choose the best shipping solution for your customer. No wonder ShipStation is the number one choice of online sellers. You'll ship more in less time with the best rates available. Just visit ShipStation.com. Click on the microphone at the top of the homepage and type in blue. That's ShipStation.com. Enter promo code blue. ShipStation.com. Make ship happen. Now we got another announcement to make. Blue Wire's teaming up with Harry's to make sure our listeners are shaving comfortably. Go to harrys.com slash bluewire to save $10 on a valued trial set, which includes five-blade razor with a lubricating strip and trimmer blade, a rich lathering shave gel, and a travel blade cover. You get all that for just $3 shipped right to your door. And over the cheap razors, it's totally worth trying Harry's. Harry's is fixed shaving by combining a simple, clean design with quality and durable blades at a fair price. Harry's founders were tired of paying for razors that were overpriced and over-designed. So they bought a world-class blade factory in Germany that's been making quality blades for over 95 years. So join the 10 million who have tried Harry's and claim your trial offer by going to harrys.com slash bluewire. All of Harry's blades come with a 100% quality guarantee. And if you don't love your shave, let them know and they'll give you a full refund. Again, make sure you go to harrys.com slash bluewire to redeem your razor for $3. All right, we're on to number three on my Bulls big board, Jason. It's P.J. Washington, a sophomore power forward from Kentucky, six foot eight, two hundred thirty pounds, with a seven two and a half wingspan. Uh, another front court player, P.J. Washington, was one of my favorite guys this year at Kentucky. Though P.J. Washington, a McDonald's All American, uh, entering Kentucky, had a good freshman year, tested his stock at the combine. Decided to come back, and he came back a much better player as a sophomore. The big improvement in P.J. Washington's game was his three-point shooting ability as a freshman. P.J. Washington shot 5 of 21 from 3. That's 23%. This year as a sophomore, 33 of 78 
42.3%. He was Kentucky's best three-point shooter this year, better than even Tyler Hero. Uh, Length, strength, and shooting ability are what you get with P.J. Washington. I am pretty sold on his three-point stroke uh, being legitimate in the NBA. It'll be interesting because he was not a good free-throw shooter, only 66.3% from the foul line. That is troubling to me, but uh, he was a money shooter for the majority of the time at Kentucky I think he's interesting because you can maybe even get away with some minutes at the three for him if you're the Bulls go on fan-sided on the step back uh there was an article there by someone who wrote about PJ Washington's potential as a wing I think that that's uh you know something that is pretty interesting about him he's got a lot of versatility in terms of uh, how he can be moved around the chessboard, I think. Uh, really strong guy as well, similar to Grant Williams in that those two guys battled it out for SEC Player of the Year all season. Uh, P.J. Washington, a little bit better of a shot blocker, blocked 5% of his shots while he was on the floor this year, 59% true shooting percentage, so he's an efficient scorer. He has some range on his jumper. Uh, still a decent passer, not as good as Williams. He had a 13% assist rate. Williams at 18%. But I really like P.J. Washington. I think that, again, you know, not a not a perfect fit for the Bulls, just given the type of talent that's going to be available in this draft. Uh, but he has a little bit more lineup flexibility because I think you can slide him three to five. I think he's really strong. He's a good shooter. He's a pretty smart player. I think he could be a really good defender, uh, John Calipari tends to depress the value of his players during their college year, in my opinion. Washington posted a 4.8% block rate, 1.7% steal rate, was able to draw fouls well. Uh, so I like P.J. Washington quite a bit. I mean, you know, I can also argue Bull Bull would be better for the Bulls. You can argue Washington or Grant Williams, which was the debate going on for SEC Player of the Year. All season, I really like P.J. Washington, though, especially in a trade-down scenario. I would love for the Bulls to get him. Uh, and even at seven, I think, you know, there there could be some scenarios where they should consider him because I think that he has a high floor. He also has a pretty high ceiling uh, in terms of his untapped potential. Long, strong, good standstill shooter, efficient score, can put a guy on his back and score in the post. Just does a lot of little things. I like P.J. Washington quite a bit. Uh yeah, let's move on. And like I said, I have not much to say about so especially some of these back these back guys. I saw some Kentucky this year. Uh, he was he was pretty impressive from what I saw. But like I said, I'm rolling with you on these, my guy. So let's let's go ahead to number two. Sure, let's go to number two. That's Kobe White. Uh, someone who it was reported by Casey Johnson of the Chicago Tribune that Kobe White has a promise in front of the Bulls. I wouldn't be surprised if the Bulls were the team that actually promised him. We know the Bulls made it. I feel like I've seen both things there. Like I feel like I've seen some people say that it's the Bulls who promised. I saw the KC thing that said he was promised in the top six. I mean, who, who, I guess you never really know at this time of year. Yeah, this is the season, draft season, when there's so much misinformation spread because everyone's got their own agenda. Uh, if Kobe White is on the board, I think the Bulls are for sure going to consider him. We've talked about Kobe White quite a bit. He's a 6'4". Four and a half hundred eighty pound uh, point guard from North Carolina. Basically, the story on Kobe White is that he broke the North Carolina high school record for most points scored in his career. He had like thirty five hundred points almost as a high school scorer. 
uh, came to North Carolina. They made him a point guard, and I think he exceeded expectations uh, at point guard for Carolina this year. Carolina played at the fastest tempo they ever have since Ken Palm started tracking statistics in 2002. North Carolina finished with the number six overall tempo rating in the country this year. The only schools ahead of them were low majors. And they also were really efficient. They were number eight in the country in offensive efficiency. So with Kobe White at the controls, North Carolina played super fast and super efficiently. Uh, he has good size at 6'4 and three quarters. He's basically 6'5 with the afro. Uh, he doesn't quite play as big as his listed height because he has short arms, only about a 6'4 wingspan, 6'5 wingspan. Uh, and also at the U18 trials a year ago when he was playing for USA Basketball in a FIBA event, uh, posted the lowest max vertical on the team, supposedly. So uh, not a super explosive athlete, uh, not very long, might only be a one-position defender in the NBA. But what I like about Kobe White is that he can just create offense off the dribble. He's great in transition. I think he's learning how to play point guard, where he already graded out pretty well uh, compared to some of his contemporaries that I'm going to mention here. So I think Kobe White, you know, potentially could be the Bulls point guard of the future. There's also a scenario where the Bulls either sign a veteran, get a f- draft pick next year that's high and take a point guard, where then Kobe White's playing some two. Kobe White uh, is a really good shooter. He was in the 92nd percentile in the country in catch and shoot situations. End of the year, 35% from deep, but he had a really high volume, which I think is also a good sign uh, for a prospect. He took 232 three-pointers this year at North Carolina, 80% free throw shooter. Where Kobe White struggled a bit was as a pull-up shooter. He was only in the 27th percentile in pull-up attempts this year. Uh, he His form looks pretty good on pull-up, so obviously dribble pull-up is one thing that can really change a player's career, like Damian Lillard, Kyrie Irving. A lot of the best guards in the league are ace dribble pull-up guys. I think Kobe White, even though he didn't perform super efficiently during his one season at North Carolina, he's got quite a bit of potential as a pull-up shooter. Uh, so I wouldn't be too discouraged by that number. We already know he's a great free throw shooter, a great catch and shoot guy. I think, you know, he might ultimately project as a six man potentially. I think that's a conservative, safe, uh, projection for him, but there's also a chance he could be the point guard of the future with his 24 and a half assist rate. I got a few guys up here, Jason, who he reminds me of. We're going to go with CJ McCollum. We're going to go with Colin Sexton. We're going to go with Jamal Murray. And then I'll even say D'Angelo Russell, whose numbers I'll pull up really quickly. I don't have him in front of me uh, at the moment, but we'll start with CJ. We'll start with Kobe White's numbers just so we have a baseline. So Kobe White, uh, these are the numbers I want to compare them in. True shooting percentage, Kobe White, 55.5. Let's go with CJ McCollum. He was at 55.6 in college during his junior year at Lehigh when he played 35 games. CJ McCollum the next year, his senior year, got hurt. So we're not going to talk about that season for him, but... Uh, you know, true shooting percentage, exactly the same. CJ McCollum and Kobe White during CJ's last full season. Colin Sexton, who has not proven himself, he was 56.7 when he was at Alabama last year. Jamal Murray's true shooting percentage was 59, so he had the best. And then you have D'Angelo Russell, who was 57.3. So Kobe White is all in the mix with those guys in terms of true shooting percentage. They're all about the same height. They're all between 6'4 and 6'5. They're all sort of combo guards. So that's why I'm listing... Uh, these guys together, Sexton about 6'3", CJ about 6'3". So, you know, take take that for what it's worth. But all about the same size, all similar skill sets. Remember that CJ was playing in, like, low-level competition at Lehigh. 
his assist rate was 24.5, Kobe White 24.4. So Kobe White's comparing favorably to CJ in assist rate. Sexton was 27.8. Jamal Murray only 12.1, so he had the lowest by far, and D'Angelo Russell's was 30. So within five percentage points of everyone is Kobe White at 24.4. He's significantly higher than Jamal Murray's right there with everyone else. Uh, I think that, you know, that's another encouraging sign. Free throw percentage, how Kobe White shot free throws this year, 80%, 104 from 130. I think that's pretty interesting. Now, Sexton was a monster drawing fouls. He shot 78%. He drew 252 foul shots. Uh, CJ McCollum, also much better at drawing fouls, but he was an 81% free throw shooter. Uh, You could look at D'Angelo. He shot 156 foul shots at 75%. Jamal Murray was a 78% shooter at 152 shots. Again, Kobe White took 130 free throws at 80% this year. So Kobe White, not a great foul drawer, but he is a great foul shooter. You would look at steal percentage. Kobe White, 2.0. Jamal Murray, 1.6. Colin Sexton, 1.6. CJ McCollum, remember he was playing in a lower level competition, but his steal rate was 4.6 actually. And then D'Angelo Russell had 2.8. So Kobe White stacks up decently to those guys as well with the 2.0 steal rating. Uh, those are the guys who I compare them to. I think that, you know, in a league where you need shifty ball handlers, you need shooters, uh, both on the catch and shoot and the pull up, you need dudes who can pass, which Kobe White can do. And that's where I think his upside is, is as a passer. Uh, he's a pretty intriguing player to me. Now, I don't think he's like a franchise changer at number seven, uh, but he's good. He can fit in a lot of different lineups. He's someone who I think, you know, if Levine is going to continue to take a bigger responsibility initiating the offense and being sort of the the lead de facto lead guard, Kobe White's a great guy to compliment him because they can both do it. Uh, Kobe White plays fast. He had a 25% assist rate, so he can get his teammates involved. He can shoot the ball, the lead off the catch and shoot. He's getting better, I think, as a pull-up shooter. Uh, he might only be a one-position defender, but I don't think he'll be terrible as a defensive player. So those are the kind of guys I compare Kobe White to, uh, and I think he's interesting for a Bulls team that definitely needs a guard. Maybe he does, you know, continue to develop as a facilitator. He he was never asked to be a facilitator at the high school level. He sort of just hit the ground running when he got to North Carolina. Performed pretty well with that twenty five percent assist rate. So uh, Kobe White, I like him. He's my number two pick on the Bulls board. So yeah, you mentioned before that you're like not a big Garland fan. Uh, could you explain, would you, would you, just, I, I know one of those guys is at least is probably gonna be gone, but if you just like, if both were hypothetically available at number seven, you would take Kobe white over Garland. Yeah, I would take Kobe white over Garland because I think that he just has a little bit more versatility to him as a player. Garland, I think is wild. Like Garland had more turnovers and assists this year. Garland's assist rate was 25%, but he was turning it over at a 23% rate. Uh, I don't think that Darius Garland can really score in the paint. Now, Garland's true shooting percentage was really high. Uh, You know, Garland's interesting because he's a good off-the-dribble pull-up three-point shooter, but uh, I don't love Darius Garland. I think he's not going to be that good of a defensive guard. I think that there's major questions about his facilitating ability. I don't really think he's going to be there, but I don't love Darius Garland in general, Uh, so he's off my board. Totally fair. All right, so let's go. Number one, I'm, I'm guessing it's Jared Culver. Number one is Jarrett Culver, sophomore from Texas Tech. Uh, Basically, the story with Jarrett Culver is that he was a three-star recruit entering the program. He entered alongside Zaire Smith, who, of course, became a lottery pick or maybe one pick outside of the lottery to the 76ers. 
uh, a year earlier. Culver returned for his sophomore season and really blew up this year. Took Texas Tech all the way to the national title game. Culver was so good across the board. He actually finishes the number one player in the country in Kempom's Player of the Year rankings. Uh, 6'6 and a half, 200 pounds, pretty long arms, 6'9, 6'10 wingspan. Uh, what I like about Jared Culver, great off ball defender, really smart, really good passer, can run a pick and roll. Uh, basically played de facto point guard this year for Texas Tech. I f- would like to see him continue to develop that skill set in the NBA. I think he sort of lacks takeover scoring ability, and that's one reason why guys might get overdrafted. His three-point percentage, only 30.4% this year for Jared Culver. That's certainly troubling. Doesn't really shoot a great ball. But on synergy sports, every play type, be it cuts, be it spot-ups, be it pick-and-roll, ball handler, uh, Jared Culver ranked good or better. So he was solid and efficient all across the board. Uh, 54% true shooting percentage doesn't blow you away, but he rebounded well. He had a 2.8 steal rate, a 2.1 block rate, really good defensive player, draws fouls on offense, passes well on offense, uh, 70% free throw shooter. So I just like Jared Culver because I think you can run him on the ball. He gives you tremendous line of versatility. To me, versatility is the name of the game in today's NBA. There is a thought that maybe Jared Culver ends up like Evan Turner. And if that's his floor, I think that, you know, that's a little disappointing, but I love his versatility on both ends. I like how he can initiate the offense. He really just knows like the beats of the game, when to fire a pass. Uh, He can run the pick and roll really well. I just like Culver in general. I think he finishes well at the rim. Uh, He would just give the Bulls a lot of lineup versatility. And I would like to see him continue continue to develop his point guard skills so number one on my bulls draft board jerry culver wing from texas tech so for those who maybe maybe didn't follow college basketball that close until the tournament or something like that they watch the national title game they see deandre hunter basically own jared culver uh i mean do you like what what would you say to those people to be to say like don't worry about that like do you think culver is definitely the better prospect than hunter i mean i think Right now, Hunter and most mocks is projected higher. What would you say to people who saw like seemingly a huge gulf there in that one game? I mean, you never want to judge based on that one game, but Hunter was amazing in that national title game. Culver really struggled in that game and struggled in a few of those later games. What do you have to say about about that and quell or quell, uh, just quelling those fears maybe based on if people who saw that game? Sure. I was in the building in Minneapolis for the national title game and Hunter, no doubt was impressive. He washed Culver in that matchup. And uh, in a lot of ways, I think Hunter is considered a superior prospect uh, because, you know, Hunter also very long, 6'7", 225 pounds. What do you measure with a 7'1 wingspan at uh, Virginia this year? 44% three-point shooter, but got him off at low volume. Only took 105 attempts on the year. Uh so here's the difference to me. Culver, or I mean, Hunter. Hunter's a good shooter, but he has a really, really slow release. It takes him forever to get off the shot. He also can't create offense off the dribble at all. He's got very rudimentary creation skills. Uh, defensively, he is really good as a point of attack defender, but he just doesn't get the ball the way that Jared Culver does. He only had a 1.2 steal rate. You could say that Virginia depresses the steal rates of their guys, but Ty Jerome had a 3.0 steal rate three times as high nearly as DeAndre Hunter. Uh, Ty Jerome is projected to be a late first rounder in this draft as a 6'5 guard. 
So Hunter, I think his defense is a little overrated. I'd rather have Culver as a defender because I think he's better roaming off the ball. I think he's better at just getting the ball, getting blocks and steals, making big plays defensively. I think he might have quicker feet in terms of him guarding guards, whereas Hunter might be able to be a little stronger and guard front court guys on switches. Uh, Hunter is a good shooter, but he needs so much time to get off a shot, and he can't really create and beat a closeout when you run him off the line. So Hunter, to me, not a bad prospect. I would like Hunter as like the 20th overall pick in this draft. I don't really like him as the seventh overall pick. I'm surprised his stock is so high. He's also one of the older guys in this draft. He's a redshirt sophomore. He was born in December of 1997. So I wouldn't touch DeAndre Hunter. If the Bulls do take him, you know, I'll talk myself into him probably because they do need a wing who can shoot, which he can do. Uh, defends as well, kind of like the Michael Bridges of this year. I like Bridges better because I think he has more versatility as a defender and as a shooter. Hunter, just he's not a very interesting prospect to me. Does just doesn't do anything uh, quickly enough to stand out to me. I think his defense, while impressive, is slightly overrated because he's better at point of attack than help and recover. So I don't love DeAndre Hunter. I take Culver over him, despite the fact that Hunter outplayed Culver in their one head-to-head matchup this year. Totally fair. I definitely did notice the the shot creation lacking. I feel like every time I tried to dribble, it was really terrible. And I feel like uh, I definitely what I've seen of Culver. What I've seen, I feel like I mean maybe Hunter is like safer because he's a good shooter. I don't even know if that's the right way to put it either. But like I feel like at least Culver's got more upside if you're looking for a more dynamic player on both ends of the ball. It seems like the fair way to put it. Yeah, and that's it. That's my top five. So to go over it one more time. Number one, Jarrett Culver. Number two, Kobe White. Number three, P.J. Washington. Number four, Bull Bull. Number five, Grant Williams. If it gets outside the top two, hell, maybe if it gets outside of the top one, Bull should look at the trade down as an option. Atlanta sitting there with 17, 8, and 10 now. That's really interesting. Could you get 10 and 17 for number seven? That'd be an incredible haul for the Bulls. If they could do that, I'd, I'd move down if they could. I think Atlanta probably wants Jarrett Culver if he's still on the table. At number seven, uh, they could trade up, although they might do that trade with the team in front of the Bulls because uh, I think Atlanta likes Culver. That's sort of been the whispering uh, around a lot of people who know things around the NBA. So. I think I saw a rumor about trading up even to five with Cleveland. I can't. I literally just saw it five minutes ago, but I can't, rem- can't remember who actually had the tweet. <laughs> so I just wrapped up. I, I know I saw Cleveland, as Cleveland mentioned, and they're at number five. Yeah. So that, that'd be a good trade, I think, for a lot of teams. I mean, if Atlanta's going to offer you two top 17 picks uh, for your pick, that's interesting. Uh, Boston, like we said, they have 14, 20, and 22. They're another trade-down option. So it uh, could be interesting for the Bulls. I think, you know, if you're looking for more trade-down guys, we'll probably talk about that next week. But I like Taylor Horton Tucker, a Chicago kid who played for Iowa State last year quite a bit. I think he'd be good is uh, a trade-down candidate. I kind of like Romeo Langford as a trade-down candidate, too. He was a miserable three-point shooter for Indiana this year, but he was the number six recruit in the RSCI coming into college, scored really efficiently on pull-ups uh, in general, just kind of a crafty scorer with good touch, but couldn't shoot threes. Maybe you make a mechanical change. He's still really young. I'd target him in a trade-down uh, so, you know, the Bulls are going to have some options. If they stay at seven, though, my preference is Culver one, White two. Uh, that's fair. Uh, how about Bulls do also have the 38th pick? Do you have any second round names there that you have an eye on that you'd like, like them to look at or might be available? Sure. If they, 
If they don't take Kobe White, one guy I would look at is Shamari Pons, who was really good this year, the last couple of years for St. John's. He's uh, also in the same mold, kind of a combo guard. He's smaller. He's only six foot, but he got a ton of steals for St. John's this year. He averaged 2.6 steals a game. He was pretty good in terms of assist to turnover ratio, averaged five assists and only two turnovers, really good free throw percentage. Uh, his three-point percentage was 35%, but he's got some pull-up skill. So Shamari Pons would be someone if they don't take White, who I would look at. I like Charles Matthews quite a bit, who's another local kid, played his high school ball at St. Rita, went to Michigan, six foot six, 200 pounds. I think arguably the best defensive wing in this class, Charles Matthews, 22 years old, uh, but he is a great defensive player, only hit 30% of his threes. Uh, not someone who can really create off the dribble, but his value defensively, I think is really, really interesting. So I would look at him. Uh, another name I'll throw out there, Darius Baisley, who is the five-star recruit who sat out the year, signed with Clutch Sports, uh, the agency of LeBron's friend, Rich Paul. He was going to go to Syracuse. He did not honor that commitment, sat out the whole year after flirting with playing in the G League. Uh, to just train for the draft, six foot nine, seven foot wingspan, shoots the ball well, was really impressive at the combine. Supposedly has been impressing teams in private workouts. He might not be on the board at 38, but I think if he is, that would be another guy I'd take a look at. Interesting. Awesome. Uh, I think that we should be good for today. We have, a, we're going to have a lot more drafts up next week. Like we said, two weeks away from the draft. So I think next week we'll be making that like our official draft preview. This was a bit a nice little teaser for it. Uh, uh, I think, but I think we're good, right? We good for, for this week? I think we are. All right. Awesome. So, uh, as always shout out blue wire pods, uh, and NBA finals, please listen to our blue wire buckets, our playoff pods. We were doing pods after each finals game, go check out all the other great pods all across the network. We're adding them at a rapid pace. I know, I believe we just added, uh, NBA draft guy, Jonathan, uh, Wasserman, I believe the, the bleacher report guy, which is awesome. And, since the Warriors are in the finals, the Light Years pod, always good stuff. And with the Warriors now, it's really interesting with the KD injury still not coming back. Klay Thompson will probably be coming back, but the finals have been pretty fascinating so far. So that's a lot of fun. And as always, please go check out us. Rate and review us at all places. Apple Podcasts, RIP iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play. Go follow Blue Wire Network on Twitter at Blue Wire Pods. So from Jason and Ricky, this has been Cash Considerations. Have a good one. We'll, we'll see you guys next week. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. 
That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.